to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So, let's live our best lives, one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad that you're here for episode one of the Life Lessons podcast. Are you as excited as I am, Sherry? I'm so excited. Episode one, finally here. That means that it's December in the real world, even though we're recording this early. (laughs) Happy December, everybody. Happy December. I'm wearing short sleeves and no shoes today because it's warm here, even though it's not really December in my world. So yes, I am still very much dressed for summer and I'm holding on to it as long as I can. Absolutely. So we're here and we're so glad that everyone else is here too for our premiere episode where we're going to talk about sleep. But before we do, I want to say, Sherry, anything new with you? How was your week? My week was pretty good. I'm going to be honest. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So I spent a lot of time studying up on sleep and uh, going through some listener comments, tips, hacks that they've tried that's worked for them because we want to share those things with everybody. Absolutely. I learned a tip yesterday. I haven't shared it with you yet. I sent Sherry pictures for everybody who's listening that doesn't know this. Yesterday, I sent her pictures of me at the Apple store with my computer that wasn't working. I was like, I got to get it all sorted out before we record today. And I learned a tip and also why my computer was slow. And I'm so embarrassed. What did you learn? Well, did you know that everything you put on your desktop has to open when you restart your computer? I feel like I did know that, yes. Somehow I did not know that. (laughs) I have a laptop, and for whatever reason, my laptop always opens fine. Even when I restart it, it's fast. I don't know. But early this year, um, early in 2020, I got a brand new iMac for recording, for podcasts, for the work that I do. I'm using it now, and it's been slow from the get-go, but it's synced with my iCloud account. Ever since day one, it's it's just run so slowly. So I was like, something's just really wrong with it. I need to go have them take a look. And the guy's like, maybe it's malware. Maybe it's whatever. He wouldn't even reboot. So he you know, reinstalled the software or whatever. And then as it came back up after forever, sitting there forever, as soon as he saw the desktop, he said, oh, I see. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> well, I had like everything on the desktop. So now it's so much faster. So the, I took everything off the desktop, put it into files. So everybody, if your computer is really, really slow, I don't know if this is true for all computers or just Macs, but if it's really slow, try cleaning up your desktop and getting rid of that clutter, and it can make a huge difference. I just really had no idea, and you know, I didn't spend a lot of time staring at the desktop, so. I feel like it's kind of like your phone when you look and all of a sudden you notice you have like 30 Safari pages open. Yeah, that happens Or is that just me? me? No, it's just, it's me too. (laughs) You're like, I looked at that like 
a year ago. Why is that still open? Yeah, I tend to leave everything open. And some of these devices just do not like all that multitasking. So, All right. That's a great tip. Thank you. Well, I I was embarrassed, but now I know better. So I'm going to keep my desktop cleaned up. So now I'll go ahead and go to our good news segment. We will always start our show with our good news segment. And today we're featuring a story from Polly. And I thought this one was a lot of fun. I asked Polly if we could share it from the group. Polly says, when my grandmother passed away in 1999, I was pregnant with my first child who just turned 21 on Tuesday. Um, And Polly, little side note from me, I was also pregnant in 1999. And my, this is my second child, also just turned 21. Of course, me too. Yeah, we were all pregnant together in 1999. My son has a November birthday. Yep, all these 21-year-old babies. (laughs) All right, so Polly says, Um, When my dad and I cleaned out her apartment 21 years ago, I kept several things. Among those things was a wrapped baby gift with a card addressed to Allison and Chris. I had no idea who they were as my grandmother lived in Arkansas and I lived in Illinois. I didn't open the gift. I just kept it. About 10 years ago, I came across the gift again and opened it. I read the card and cried reading my grandmother's handwriting to the couple. I put the card and gift and wrapping back in the box with her things. Yesterday, I was in the basement cleaning out boxes and once again opened grandmother's box. This time, through a funny connecting series of about four phone calls, I found and talked to Allison. She now lives in Virginia and I'm in Illinois. She remembers my grandmother and was so excited to hear my story. I apologized for not finding her sooner and explained that, in my grief, I had kept the gift because I was expecting my own baby at that time and made the gift mine instead of hers. I am rewrapping the gift in the original paper my grandmother used and mailing it to Allison today. She is giving it to Anna, her daughter, who is getting married next summer. I love that story so much. It, like, gave me the chills. Yeah, I'm really curious. I want to know more. Like, how did she track down Allison? That's something I would do. I know you would. I, I, <laughs> I figured something out, Sherry. I was thinking about, you know, how long we've known each other, which really isn't that long. We met in, was it 2018? 20. We met in person. The first cruise was 2018. Yeah, we met yes. in person on the first delay. I don't deny cruise. And now I figured out you're probably the human that I've spent the most time with in 2020 other than like my husband (laughs) I think so yeah I think so yeah Yeah, because we've been to the beach a few times and anyway I go to work and see my husband and then that's it I I stay home I stay home all the time (laughs) I see my husband you know I see my son but I, I may have spent more time with you than I've spent with with him but anyway well, I'm not 21. No, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, I'm pretty sure you would be just like Polly. You would track down the person. But I love the thought that Anna, the daughter, is going to get this gift from 21 years ago. And it was really meant for her. It was. Originally. It was her baby gift. So yeah. she, Anna's going to have to have a baby soon. <laughs> 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 or she can wait. It's been 21 years. Yeah, well, it's a few more years. Exactly. Well, listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. Stories like this one that Polly shared or, you know, like we shared on episode zero, if you listen to that, we want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. And we will name those companies because we like to, you know, share share the good in the world. 
Um, you can give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us any amazing story, even if it's not about you, something from your local area that just makes you smile. Share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, we just want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes this podcast possible. So let's talk about Pampered Chef. Like many busy moms, I wasn't always a daily cook. It's only been the last several years that I have really started cooking nearly all of my meals from scratch. Me too, Sherry. Can I just say that there were so many years that I relied on takeout and what I could grab at the grocery store from like the prepared food section. And I'm embarrassed to admit that's how we ate probably 90% of the time. Well, I think a lot of that comes down to, too, that you're not prepared to cook meals at home. It's true. I wasn't. I, I had nothing. Yeah. So when I really started cooking at home, I really discovered I needed the proper tools and the proper cookware. And without it, it just makes cooking a chore. And with it, it makes cooking so much easier. So, but as I started like getting tools for my kitchen, I just felt like they were constantly breaking or they didn't work as advertised. And I felt like I was constantly replacing them. And I was telling Jen at the week at the beach last week, I bought a garlic press once. And the very first time I used it, I went to squeeze the handle and it, it bent in half. Okay. <laughs> I'm not super strong. I don't think it should do that. No. So and the when garlic, I, was it some kind of fancy, like extra strong garlic? I don't know. I, I don't think so. It was just one little <laughs> garlic clove. Um, so I started asking my friends, like, what's your favorite garlic press? Because I'd gone through a couple. And some of them turned it into garlic mush. It didn't work that well. A lot of them recommended Pamper Chef to me. So got my garlic press. I loved it. I've started collecting some other items through Pamper Chef. And my collection has really grown. And I've just come to love their products. I appreciate the value and quality of them so much. Yeah, I agree with that because, you know, I like to buy things online. I go to a one big giant shopping site that everyone knows and loves. But sometimes, you know, their their products are not what you're expecting. And sometimes the reviews are fake. Have you noticed that? I have noticed that. So yes. I'm like, well, is this a good product? Are these the real reviews? It's not always easy to tell. So I, I tend to, that's what I like about Pampered Chef too. I mean, you know that, you know where it's coming from. Yeah. You know, if there's a problem, Absolutely. who to contact. Well, and they have great warranties on their products and they have great customer service. So if you ever have a problem with it, you contact them and they are so good about replacing it as long as you use it in the manner it was intended and, and you follow the instruction. So in addition to their tools and their cookware, uh, they also have really great pantry items like spices, rubs, sauces, pizza crust mix. I'm actually going to make taco pizza tonight. I'm going to use their pizza crust mix. Recently, I got some Dijon mustard rub, and I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. But then I was making my husband some um, homemade cheeseburger pasta, and I saw that Dijon mustard rub, and I was like, hmm, what goes in a cheeseburger? Mustard. So I added it. It was great. It gave it that extra little flair, and he loved it. Oh, that sounds delicious. I actually just placed an order today for Pampered Chef, and I got some of that Dijon mustard rub because it sounded really good. I also got a pizza peel. I, you know, I have made my homemade bread for years. People that have known me for a while know that I you know, grind my own wheat, make homemade bread. And I have always struggled with how to roll out the pizza dough. And I have, you know, resisted buying a pizza peel, but it's time. I have the pizza peel and the pizza stone. I'll be yep. using them tonight. Awesome. Yes. And it's really, you know, for people who think it's hard to make your own dough, the first time I did it, I felt like I was a magician. 
but it really, you can do it and it's, it's easy. You can whip it up. Um, oh, I have another hack for you. I don't know. Actually, you might, you might not be able to do it right now during the pandemic, but when I was making um, homemade pizza, you know, you can buy all the little toppings. Like, let's say you want to put a ton of different veggies. You have to buy an, an onion and a pepper and all these different things. I went to the salad bar at the grocery store and instead was able to get just the right amount at the salad bar. That was, that's my, my pizza topping tip. I have done that for fajitas. Have you? Yes. So much great. easier and it's already prepped. But our, our grocery store has the salad bar closed right now. I don't know. Does yours? I don't have a salad bar, unfortunately. But my grocery store does sell little small containers of prep veggies, like by the salad mix. If I'm really in a hurry and I don't have time to chop my own veggies, I will go ahead and grab those. So if you're interested in supporting our podcast through Pamper Chef, you can order from our website at lifelessonscommunity.com under the Favorite Things tab, or there's an order link on my Facebook business page at pamperchef colon Life Lessons Community. You can also reach out to me at sherry at lifelessonscommunity.com if you have any questions or would like to book an online party or fundraiser. Don't forget, it's sherry with one R and an I. Your business helps make this podcast possible. It allows me to spend more time curating content for this podcast so I can help you live your best life. Absolutely. All right. So our life lesson of the week, Sherry has been researching sleep. And I'm so excited because this is really a problem that people have at so many stages of their life. Yes. And many of our Facebook community members brought sleep up right away as something that they really need help with. So we just decided to dive right into that this week. I personally struggled with sleep for over a decade until I discovered Dr. Michael Bruce. Dr. Bruce is a clinical psychologist. I first heard him on a podcast and um, he's really witty and funny. And so he kind of drew me in immediately. And I'm like, oh yeah, what's this guy got to say that I haven't heard a million times before. So he has devoted his career to solving his patient's sleep issues using the practice of chronobiology and chronotherapy. When he went into residency, he had no clue that he was going down this rabbit hole. Sleep wasn't even on his radar, but he kept noticing how many patients complained about poor sleep and how it was affecting their moods, their productivity, and their anxiety. And so he really started investigating sleep. Dr. Bruce believes that while what and how are necessary questions to ask about life, the most important question to be answered that is going to change a person's life is when. You know, I believe in that because, you know, we're both intermittent fasters and we've changed when we eat as part of that. Of course, y'all know we said this is not going to be an intermittent fasting podcast, but so many things, if you just figure out your personal when, you know, you're going to be so much, and sleep is no different. Absolutely. Yes. So he says the number one life hack is discovering your sleep chronotype. This helps you determine when you should be doing just important life tasks, such as eating, working out, writing papers, and sleeping. So once you can identify your specific genetic chronotype, and he has a quiz to help you do that, we'll share that information, you can better keep in sync with your biotime. And your biotime is your internal clock. It basically regulates when your body functions best. Personally, once I stopped fighting my bio time regarding sleep and I learned some really great sleep strategies from Dr. Bruce, I have all but solved my sleep issues. And I'm a night shift worker, so that's quite an accomplishment. 
Yeah, it really is. You know, because we hear from people who work the night shift that that's like the hardest part of the struggle. You know, with me, I found that my most recent sleep difficulties were really exacerbated because I was going through menopause. That can be an issue. It could also be cortisol regulation for somebody, poor blood sugar control throughout the night. I had no idea about that, Sherry, by the way, that that blood sugar control could impact your sleep. You and I have both gone through the PREDICT-3 study and wore continuous blood glucose monitors. And having that blood glucose monitor on all night really helped me see that my blood sugar does have a little dip, you know, right at the time that that I, I typically, you know, wake up, which was very interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, you know, if you're somebody who has to get up to go to the bathroom during the night, some of those things you may want to talk to your healthcare provider about. Some of them, you know, like like menopause, you're, you're, you're going to have a little bit of, of sleep issues no matter what. But sleep researchers have told us that, you know, you do have a personal biological wake time preference and a different sleep drive. You know, some people are light sleepers. They don't need a lot of sleep. You know, if you have a low sleep drive, it's okay to get less sleep if you feel if you feel good. Medium sleep drive people sleep pretty deeply. They're refreshed by maybe only seven hours of sleep. But if you're a high sleep drive person, you really do need more sleep biologically. And you may find that you sleep deeply, but when you wake up, you don't feel refreshed. So Dr. Bruce actually thinks that there are four sleep types. And because we're mammals, he renamed them to represent that, which I think is a lot of fun. He calls them chronotypes. Chrono means time. And so it's your time based on type. We're going to talk about the different, the different chronotypes. And he even has a new chronotype called the dolphin. I wanted yeah. to be a dolphin. I'm not a dolphin. That sounds I- fun, but... <laughs> If you're a dolphin, you probably hate being a dolphin, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. Good. It just sounds really fun. I want to be a dolphin, but not if it's not good. Yeah. (laughs) So he added dolphins because people with insomnia, for the longest time, they thought it was like a medical condition. So they had three sleep types and then people with insomnia. And what they are starting to discover is that your classic insomniacs, that is an actual chronotype. So in the wild, dolphins sleep with only half their brain at a time, and the other half is awake and alert. And so he used dolphins to describe those insomniacs. And they make up about 10% of the population. They have a low sleep drive. They are often described as intelligent, but neurotic light sleepers. Oh, that doesn't sound fun. (laughs) No. (laughs) And he says they actually have upside down biology. So when you go to sleep at night, your cortisol should be lowering and this should prepare your body for sleep. And then in the morning, you want a cortisol boost and that's what gives you that wide awake feeling in the morning. Dolphins are backwards. Their cortisol raises throughout the night and is lowest in the morning. So they don't sleep well through the night because cortisol is high and then they have a hard time getting going in the morning. That's your dolphin. If you're a dolphin, don't despair. You can make adjustments to your schedule and you can improve your sleep and feel more alert during the day. And Dr. Bruce helps people do that. He says most of the people he sees in his practice are dolphins. So you can go to his website and read about about that and also take a quiz and find out what your type is. Yes. I did that and it was fun. (laughs) Yeah. So then there are lions, Jen. Yes. They are morning-oriented, driven optimists with a medium sleep drive. Uh, 15 to 20% of people are probably lions. 
they're your early risers. They're keeping watch on the world in the morning while us late night people are still sleeping. They are described as overachievers and leaders. They are focused and results-oriented people. I said Jen because I happen to know that Jen is a lion. I am. What's your sleep look like, Jen? You know, I really absolutely feel tired and awake with the sun. Whatever the sun is, like as soon as the sun starts to go down, I'm ready to go to bed. (laughs) And as soon as the sun starts to come up, my eyes pop open. And, you know, I, I wake up early. You know, I used to think that I got up early because I was a teacher and I had to, you know, had my alarm going off at 530 in the morning. And so that was just my routine. But now that I'm retired, I still wake up at that time, even though I don't have to. I cannot sleep in. My body just wants to wake up. Knowing that I wake up with the sun has really made a difference in how I can help myself sleep through the night better. I have to have a really dark sleep environment. That's huge for me. And I mean, a lot of things that you might not think of were affecting me in the middle of the night. They would, I would wake up and feel like it was morning and ready to get up and alert, but it would be like 2.30 and obviously not time to get up. Then I realized, first of all, we moved to a new house about a year ago and the way the windows were aligned and you know, with the, the outside of the house, we had a street light out there. And so a lot of light was coming in. So I had to make sure to draw the curtains at night. And that really helped. Then I realized my alarm clock had a lot of light. So I took the alarm clock completely out of the bedroom. And that made a difference as well. So we have no ambient lighting in the bedroom at all. And so now what's really amazing since I've, you know, we, we also had like a like TV service things that would have little lights on them you know, like, like the, the dish network, we had dish network, but we just got rid of that. And so now that's even gone. So now that all those lights are gone, I'm finding that when I wake up in the morning, I ask myself, okay, I wonder what time it is. Is it morning or is it the middle of the night? And if I really feel like it's morning, I'll look at my, my phone, I'll flip it over and see what time it is. And almost every time it's right at 530 when I do that. So every now and then I'll look and it's like 415. I'm like, all right, it's not time yet. And then I'll go back to sleep. But Pretty much every time I feel like it's time, I look, there it is, 5.30. And you did the quiz and you were a lion, is that right? I was right? a lion. Yep, that's what it okay. said. It, it told me I was All a right. lion. But I, it, it made me feel better about why I absolutely am not the life of the late night party. You know, I've, I've, I've hated that for a long time because, you know, oh, I'm with people and they want to stay awake. And I'm like, all right, I'm sorry, I have to go to bed now. I don't know who those people would be. Uh, Maybe Sherry, because her prototype (laughs) is very different than mine. (laughs) And let me tell you how crazy Jen is about light in her bedroom. So crazy. We spent hours at the beach a couple weeks ago with Jen trying to block out any light coming into her bedroom. She tried everything. I mean, hours. It really, I did. You know, because the, the beach condo has a window that looks over the hallway and it's got like shutters over it and it's also got this film on it. But I mean, this is kind of kind of embarrassing to admit, but every time I went to the beach, I was usually there with friends. And so I would drink wine and I knew that alcohol kept me from sleeping well. So I just assumed I was sleeping poorly at the beach because I was drinking. Well, I was at the beach with Sherry and not drinking at all because I figured out I sleep much better without alcohol. Then I realized, no, it's not the drinking that the beach that was keeping me awake. I mean, that might have been part of it, but that it was like I could read a book in the middle of the night. There was so much (laughs) light coming in. So what I finally did was I went, I got a sleep mask. The sleep mask made a huge difference. If I could keep it on my head, (laughs) kept it dark enough that I was able to sleep. That's a great tip. Lots of our 
members suggested sleep mask and I personally wear one. I don't obsess so much about keeping my bedroom dark because I sleep during the day and it's just so hard, but I just put that sleep mask on and it's lights out. So we talked about lions and dolphins. Then there are bears. Bears are kind of go with the flow people. They're generally good sleepers and they follow a solar base schedule. That's why I wondered when you said you get up with the sun and you go to bed with the sun. Except that I can't, I can't sleep late even, you know, as the time is changing now, you know, we're recording this in mid-October, even though it'll come out in December. So the, the time is, is changing to the point that it, it's still dark when I wake up at 530. So I guess I, if it's light, I wake up, but even if it's dark, I still wake up <laughs> early no matter what. But if, if it was light, that definitely wakes me up. So it's estimated that 50% of people are bears. And that's why conventional business hours, your banker's hours, they're set nine to five because the world is really made to support bears. Bears are extremely social people. They tend to overschedule themselves with social commitments. And so Dr. Bruce really encourages them to dial back on social commitments and make sleep a priority. Bears need at least eight hours of sleep a night in order to work at their best potential and have the most energy during the day. More or less, bears need sleep. Then there are people like me who are night-oriented, often described as creative extroverts with a medium sleep drive. So the wolves make up about 15 to 20% of people. So these are your late night friends. You insomniacs, you jump on at midnight and somebody's immediately talking to you on Facebook or Messenger. That'd be me. That's your wolf friend. (laughs) (laughs) Now, were you like this before you worked the night shift? I've always been like this. Now, see, that made me just think of something interesting. I wonder if people who naturally gravitate to the night shift are just your wolves. Because, like, I would never take a job that was night shift because I think I would die. But it seems like it's it's made for you. It really is. I thrive in the late afternoon, evening, even late at night. I mean, my brain just doesn't turn off until midnight. But it also doesn't turn on until noon. So... (laughs) (laughs) I am not a morning person. I don't thrive on mornings. I don't do my best work in the morning. I am unmotivated in the morning, but get me to noon and I'm on fire for the next 12 hours. I don't have a strong urge to sleep. I sleep because I know I need sleep. But if you told me I couldn't go to sleep tonight, I wouldn't cry. You could just Um, stay awake. There's so much to do. Why do I want to sleep? Okay. So, I mean, like when I come off my last night shift... I have to force myself to lay down and take a a nap that morning just so I can have somewhat of a day. But it's not like I'm driven to go home and go to bed after work. So wolves have a challenge in just shutting their brains down to go to sleep. I think it was in one of Jen's Facebook groups. Somebody posted a question. It's kind of a, I don't know, like, would you rather see the sunrise or the sunset? And I'm always going to say the sunset because if I see the sun rising... It better be because I haven't been to bed, not because somebody made me get up early. The first night I was at the beach condo ever, when we first bought it, I woke up in the morning. I'm like, why is it so bright in the hall? Our son, Will, was there. And I was like, did he turn the lights on? No, it was the sunrise. And I was so excited. And I ran out to the balcony to look at the sunrise because I love to see the sunrise. It makes me happy. I also like to see the sunset, but it does, does mean that the day is winding down. You know, sometimes we get out of touch with our chronotypes these days just because you're, you may be at a, in a schedule 
you know, like when I had to set my alarm and wake up at 5.30, and, and funny thing, my eyes would often open right before my alarm would go off. Of course, I haven't set an alarm in, in a long time. But sometimes people have jobs, you know, if, if you're a bear or if you're a, a wolf like Sherry and you had a, a teaching job like me and you had to wake up early and go to school, that would really just not be the best for you. You know, so if you're interested to figure out what your sleep chronotype is, you can, first of all, think about your parents. It's very likely you, you may have a sleep time that mimics one of theirs because um, your sleep chronotype is actually genetically based. There's a gene called the PER3. Is that what it's called, Sherry, or PER? How do you say it? PER? I say PER3, but okay. I could be wrong. All right. We don't know. We're <laughs> I'm not a sleep scientist. No, we're just telling you about it. The PER3 gene um, if you have a short PER3 gene, you can survive on little sleep, but you may be a late riser. So, but if you want to actually take the quiz and see, go to thepowerofwin.com and take the biotime quiz. I really enjoyed taking it. You know, it, it wasn't a surprise. These, you know, you probably already have an idea, but when you read the description, you're like, well, okay, that explains why I can't stay awake at night. And then you stop fighting yourself. That's the beauty of this. Once you understand yourself, you don't have to fight it or be embarrassed or, I mean, you understand why you're not your best in the morning or why you're not your best at night. And instead of feeling guilty, like what's wrong with me, you're like, okay, this is just how I am. And I need to redesign my life to work with, with who I am instead of trying to force it. Absolutely. It's about optimizing your life. So, yeah. So I really like learned so much after doing the quiz and like I can't even recommend getting the book enough it has different worksheets in it what's the name of his book is the book the power of when it's called the power of when uh-huh okay so it's got worksheets in it and then once you find out your chronotype it gives you tips so it'll break down like if you're a wolf and it goes down to just everyday things as far as what time you should schedule appointments or what time you should go to the gym what time you should eat even what time you should drink coffee and then what time you should nap. Do you know what the most effective length of nap is, Jen? Hmm, I do not. Would you believe it's only 10 minutes? Okay, that's really cool because I think that in the infrequent time that I do nap, that probably is about how long I naturally would nap. Yeah, so Dr. Bruce urges his patients, if they are considering a nap, to choose either a 10-minute nap or a 90-minute nap. Okay. You don't want to go longer than 15 minutes because that will take you into a deeper sleep cycle or phase, and you don't want to go into a deep sleep phase. Or you need to allow 90 minutes because that's generally how long it takes the average person to complete one full sleep cycle. But if you wake up in the middle of a sleep cycle, it can actually take you twice as long to recover from your nap than you spent napping, and it actually does not improve focus or productivity. That's like when you feel really groggy, right? Because you woke up at the wrong time of a nap. Yeah. That's it. And um, dolphins, if you're a dolphin, sorry, but napping is not suggested for you at all. It can actually make your sleep worse at night and it will not, it will not improve your productivity or your focus at all. So I know that's sad. And they probably, if you're a dolphin, you might feel like you haven't had enough sleep, right? Right. So those are the people who probably are like, oh gosh, if I could just take an afternoon nap, maybe I'd feel better, but it's really going to impact your whole your sleep schedule. Negatively. Yes. All right. So we've got some sleep myths, some facts, and some tips from both The Power of Win and Dr. Bruce's other book, Good Night, The Sleep Doctor's Four-Week Program 
to better sleep and better health. So the first tip is wake up every day at the same time. Now, I know that that can be tricky because, you know, maybe you have to wake up at a certain time during the week for your job, but then on the weekend you want to sleep in. So why is it better to wake up at the same time every day, Sherry? Well, if you don't wake up at the same time, it causes sleep misalignment. Your your whole chrono misalignment happens. And that's when you feel sort of jet lagged and run down and you just don't feel your best. So if you can keep everything lined up and running on the same rhythm that you'll feel your best every day. That makes sense. So, you know, it does depend on your chronotype, but the time may be anywhere between 5 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. You know, that's interesting because I do naturally tend to wake right in that 5 a.m. to 5.30. For some reason, I'm like mentally telling myself I need to wait till 5.30. Maybe I should just roll with it if I wake up at 5. Maybe. I mean, that's the thing. If you wake up and you naturally wake up and it's almost time to wake up, go ahead and either lay in bed and think about your day or get on up because what you want to avoid doing is going back to sleep and then having your alarm wake up in the middle of a sleep cycle. Ah, that makes sense. You know, my husband has an alarm because he gets up to go teach. He's a college professor, so he'll have his alarm go off, but I'm usually already awake by the time it goes off. But all right. So another sleep tip is to avoid sleeping in. And I know that You know, some people really enjoy sleeping in on the weekend, but studies show that sleeping in on the weekend actually leads to sleep chrono misalignment. It can take you till the middle of the next week to realign, and that is also associated to higher BMIs, obesity, not a good thing. No, not at all. As much as we try to fight having a schedule outside of work, I think, you know, life is scheduled, and I think at home we try to just wing it. But our bodies actually work on a schedule. They work best on a schedule. That's true. And if you feel like you need to sleep in, don't stay in bed for greater than an hour beyond your normal wake-up time. That would be a good tip. So while wolves, like me, naturally don't get sleepy until late into the night, you can train your body to go to sleep by midnight and arise between 7, 7.30 a.m. Dr. Bruce cautions, though, if you are a late-night person and you're trying to hack your sleep, You really don't want to force yourself to go to bed too early without proper training because it can cause a pattern of sleep anxiety and insomnia. And for me personally, by accepting that I was not an early to bed kind of gal, I actually solved that sort of vicious anxiety insomnia cycle. I don't really even know if I truly had a sleeping problem. I think I had a bedtime problem. That makes sense. You were just trying to go to bed at the wrong time. Yes. So in order to go to sleep, I would have to knock myself out with sleep aids. And then I would wake up in the middle of the night for hours in the middle of the night because my, my sleep time was all out of alignment. My, my body was not where it needed to be. So what I started doing was just allowing my body to tell me when it needed sleep. Luckily, I have a pretty flexible schedule with my work. So I just took four weeks and I just went to bed when my body said to go to bed. And for a while, that was 2.30 in the morning. I have to admit, there were times I was just going to sleep when my husband's alarm went off at 3.30 in the morning. But gradually, over time, I just started moving my wake up a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier. And now I find I naturally fall asleep around about 11.30 at night. So you've just naturally, you've, you've, you've gotten it to a good place where you can, you feel good with the rhythm that you've got going. 
Yes. And the once you kind of find your body's rhythm and what it needs, you're going to sleep better. So you don't need to spend as much time in bed. You're going to have more quality over quantity. Right. And we, we know that quality of sleep is more important than quantity of sleep, which can be tricky because we've all heard, you know, just like we've all heard breakfast is the most important meal of the day, which you and I can say, well, we all break fast, but not at the same time. You know, the idea that we need eight hours of sleep is something we've heard over and over again. Have you ever felt guilty because you haven't gotten it? Like you're harming yourself? I, yeah, I do. And I'll, I actually, and I track my sleep. So I'll be like, oh my gosh, I've only slept six and a half hours on average this week. And when I find myself doing that, I really just do have to make sleep a priority again. That means I was like getting out of my good sleep habits. So I just have to focus back on getting back into my good sleep hygiene. But you know, not everybody needs the full, you know, eight hours of sleep. What we need is complete sleep cycles. So that's, you know, four to five full complete sleep cycles. And that's going to vary from person to person. You know, and just like I always talk about, there's no one right way to eat for all of our bodies. There's also no one right way to sleep. You know, just like there's no one right time to have your eating window, you're going to figure out what works best for your body. Same thing with sleeping. You may not need as much sleep as, you know, you've always felt like the recommendation for eight hours is. I have a sleep app as well. My bed tracks my sleep. Last night I had eight hours and seven minutes of sleep that was was restful. Yeah, the night before I had seven hours and 22 minutes. The night before that, seven hours and 55 minutes. So I tend to sleep somewhere around in there just night after night, somewhere just below eight hours or right around eight hours. Don't let it make you feel anxious about worrying about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I really used to say, oh, I need eight to nine hours of sleep. But I needed that in order to feel rested. But that was because it was taking me so long to fall asleep. I had restless sleep. I would wake up for an hour or two in the middle of the night. And now that I'm sleeping soundly from the time I go to sleep until the time I get up, um, if I track my sleep on my sleep app, my monthly average is anywhere from like seven hours and 30 minutes to seven hours and 50 minutes. Some months I get a little bit better sleep. And um, again, I think that just has to do with the seasons and and how busy I am in my life. Yeah, tell us about, oh, I was gonna say, tell us about the sleep cycles. Yeah, so sleep cycles, what are they? A sleep cycle is made up of four phases. They are non-REM, one and two sleep. And those are just your light sleep phases that prepare your body for deep sleep and for REM sleep. Deep sleep, also known as delta sleep, is the third phase. It is your reparative and immune building sleep. And Dr. Kirk Parsley, another sleep specialist, he says that one of the most preventative life hacks you can make to prevent illness is to get quality deep sleep. The fourth phase is REM sleep. That's one probably most people are familiar with. That's also known as your dream sleep. It's necessary for cognition, critical thinking, and creativity. We have to have REM sleep also to cement memories. So if you know a person who just has an awful memory and can't remember things from day to day, they are likely not getting good REM sleep. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I will say that I can tell when I haven't had deep sleep, you know, like, like Dr. Kirk Parsley said that you really need to get quality deep sleep. I just feel awful when I haven't had good deep sleep. Yes. And people who um, do a lot of heavy workouts, they actually need more deep sleep because that's your reparative sleep for your muscles. You know, and, and also you said it's your immune building sleep. So that would be important. And 
I guess when you're sick, when you sleep so deeply, that's your body doing what it needs to do. That makes sense. Let's talk about falling asleep. If you have been lying awake for greater than 20 minutes, uh, Dr. Bruce says you need to get out of bed, move to a chair, move to a yoga mat. You want to practice some breathing techniques or progressive muscle relaxation and then return to bed and try again. If you want to learn some more about those things, YouTube has lots of videos on that sort of thing. Find something that feels right to you. Uh, Many members reported that they do some meditation or they just do some mind work. And then once you start to feel sleepy, you can get back in bed. If you find yourself not sleeping again, get back out of bed. Bed is for sleeping. So later on, we'll share some community member tips that they use to help them go to sleep when they're having a hard time. Um, A big one, and people don't like to hear this, is you want to avoid caffeine after two o'clock in the afternoon. And when I say people, I mean like me. (laughs) 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 Or my husband. Listen, my husband drinks caffeine from the time he wakes up till the time he goes to bed. He takes a Mountain Dew to bed with him. If you think that doesn't drive me crazy. I bet. You're like, don't uh, do that. Stop. <laughs> you know it's bad. But look, we can't we can't talk them into anything, can we? One day, he'll decide he wants to get good sleep, and he might listen to his wife. If you're really struggling to fall asleep or you are not having good quality sleep, really look at your caffeine intake. What we know about caffeine is that the half-life is six to eight hours. Do you know what the half-life is, Jen? Do you know what the half-life means? (laughs) I do. I was like, is this a trick question? Because you just said it was six to eight hours. And that's um, the amount of time it takes for you to get half of it out of your system, right? Yeah. So it's the the amount of time that it takes for 50% of a drug, and caffeine is a drug, to break down and leave your system. So if if the half-life is six to eight hours, that means you still have half of it in your system six to eight hours later. Right. So if you drink a cup of coffee at 2 p.m. and you go to bed at 10, you still have 50% of that caffeine circulating in your system. And then your genetics also affect how quickly you metabolize caffeine. So Jen luckily is a fast caffeine metabolizer. I am a slow caffeine metabolizer. And once I found that out is when I really decided I need to look at my caffeine consumption and see how it might be affecting my sleep. I did give up my dinner dose of caffeine. I used to always have a soda or a glass of iced tea with my dinner. And once I gave that up, I found out I was sleeping much more deeply. So yeah, if you're one that's struggling, I suggest just give it two weeks to give it a trial, see how it affects your sleep. If you don't think it affects your sleep, knock yourself out, have your coffee after dinner, but give it a chance. It's really, there is some science behind it. Yeah. Also, eating within a time-restricted window, for those of you who are intermittent fasters, that actually can help support and realign your circadian rhythm. You know, listen to your body, eat at the time that it feels right to you, you know, with, experiment with different times. You know, we've got some, some people in our community that have morning eating windows. That's where they feel their best. I'm an evening, at, late afternoon, early evening eating window person. That's when I feel my best. If you're finding that your sleep is suffering, change up that window timing to see. That could could really impact your sleep. Also, we've talked about alcohol. Don't use alcohol as a sleep aid. You know, some people mistakenly think that it it helps you fall asleep, and it might. You know, I I can think of times when I've I've had more to drink, and then you just kind of crash, right, After after the drinking, and you're like in a what feels like a deep sleep, but then you pop 
awake in the middle of the night. That, that's what would always happen to me. So alcohol really disrupts your sleep cycles and it prevents you from getting into REM sleep. And since we need that REM sleep for the mental restoration and the memory consolidation that occurs, you just really don't want to miss that. You know, I can share that that's made a huge difference for me only drinking on special occasions. And one of our community members, Elizabeth from San Francisco, shared that quitting alcohol improved her sleep more than anything else. And I 100% can agree with Elizabeth there. It just makes such a difference for me. Alcohol also disrupts your biological time. And when you, when that is coupled with your lack of REM sleep, you're not going to wake up recovered and refreshed and ready to take on the day. And that's really what I found. So Sherry, does alcohol affect your sleep like that? Uh, you know, I really didn't think it did, but I have found that it absolutely does. It keeps my heart rate elevated. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, it elevates my body temperature and my sleep quality absolutely suffers. Yeah, because my bed, I have a sleep number bed and it measures my heart rate as well, as well as how many times I toss and turn at night. And it is amazing at how fast my heart rate goes after alcohol. Like that can't be good. <laughs> so experiment with exercise. While some people find that exercising before bed negatively impacts their sleep, others, especially with anxiety, finds that it can be calming before bed. Um, and then really, you just want your body tired when you crawl into bed at night. So if you have a sedentary job, if you make an effort just to do some extra activity during the day, maybe take a walk after you go to bed or after you eat dinner before bed, that can really just help prepare your body for sleep. Dr. Bruce also recommends a power down hour before bed. And you want to design this to support your life. He breaks your power down hour into three sections. The first part, you want to do your end of day tasks, get your next day in order, to-do list for the next day, um, just whatever's on your mind that you have to do tomorrow, get it out on paper, get that ready for the next day so you're ready to turn in for the night. It's kind of like, you know, it signals you that the day is ending, right? Like for me, I have, I have that routine. I load the dishwasher. I start the dishwasher, I turn off lights, I check the doors. That just signals to me, oh, the day is done. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people take stress to bed with them. I know I'm one of those. I would get in bed and I'd be like, oh, I didn't get this, this, and this done today. I've got to get it done tomorrow. And I would be making grocery lists in my bed and I'm remembering which bill I had to pay. And so if you can just take a minute, write down, get it off the top of your head so you can just clear your mind and get ready for sleep. And then part two of the power down hour is just your nightly hygiene routine. Whatever it is you do, wash your face, do a face mask, um, take a hot bath or shower. Um, a hot bath and shower actually um, helps lower your body temperature that prepares your body for sleep. So that can be really helpful. So a hot bath lowers your temperature? That's interesting. Like it raises it, but then it then lowers it, Okay. It. Okay. So it, it just has that rebound lowering. Light stretching or bedtime yoga. The third part, you want to do some light stretching or bedtime yoga, meditation or tapping, prayer, or even call a loved one and tell them good night. That's just your end of day calming. You're really just getting your body into that slow down and, and prepare for sleep mode. And he does emphasize call a loved one. Do not text them. He really wants you to not look at your device in that power down hour at all. So he says you could read a book or paper, just don't read it on an e-reader or your phone. 
And see, I think a lot of us are right there with our devices in our hands until we close our eyes. And that's, you know, the blue blocking glasses can make a big difference if you have those. I would put those on too as you're winding down. I do wear those. And some of our community members wrote in that they helped them. And um, somebody said when she puts hers on, she actually starts to feel sleepy. You know, because that's the signal we're used to. If you go back to how life is meant to be lived, how we lived before all these modern conveniences, as the sun goes down in the sky, we have a different light wave that, that we see. And so putting on the blue light blocking glasses mimics that that, you know, the natural sun going down. And so it prepares your brain. All right, it's time to go to bed. Instead of that blue light from all of our devices that stimulates and makes us think that, you know, it's the middle of the day. (laughs) And the people that are more light sensitive can really, really find the blue light blocking glasses can be a huge difference. You know, I already mentioned keeping your room as dark as possible. That can make a big difference. I mean, the number of things that have lights shining on them is remarkable. Like we have these little, I don't know, the kind of felt pads you might put underneath something like a vase that you're going to put on a shelf and you don't want it to scratch the shelf. You know what I'm talking about? Those little adhesive felt pads. You can take those little felt pads and stick them over a light that's on a device. Like I have an Apple TV at the beach and that little tiny light on that Apple TV can light up the room. But I put a little sticker over that sucker and no more. That might sound crazy, but it makes a huge difference for me. You know, blackout curtains, the eye mask I already talk about, all those things make make a difference. Your alarm clock, you know, I, I think we need, Sherry, someone needs to invent an alarm clock that you tell it when it's not allowed to shine the light and it like automatically turns the light off between whatever time you set and then it automatically comes on at the, t- like for me, I would have it automatically come on at 530 because I know that. Because sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, is it morning? Is it time? And I look and it's 2.30. And, and I've looked at the clock and I looked at my phone and I'm like, darn it, it's 2.30. You know, why, why did I look? But if, if I had a clock that I knew only would come on at 5.30 or 5 or whatever, if I, I would know, hey, that's not on. It's not time to look. That's what I want. Somebody invent that. Uh, well, one of our members actually wrote in a tip. I'm looking for it now. Madison from Florida. So she shared, I've struggled with sleep issues my whole life. It sometimes takes me hours to fall asleep. And when my alarm clock jars me awake in the morning, I'm usually groggy and annoyed. That all changed when I got the Hatch Restore alarm clock. It has a whole library of guided meditations and soundscapes that lull me to sleep quickly and easily. When it comes time to wake, it simulates a sunrise and slowly brightens, gently pulling your body to a lighter sleep cycle before your selected alarm sound begins. I'm getting the best sleep of my life and I'm waking up with such a peaceful experience. I absolutely love it. Thank you, Madison, for sharing that. And I actually looked it up. It doesn't have numbers on it from what I can tell. So it's not a clock so much as it's like a go to sleep and wake up device. It simulates that the sun is rising. It shows that glow. But see, the the thing about that is, I don't want it to wake me up if I'm not naturally waking up. That's the thing. I want something that I I don't want a light to slowly come on if I'm not ready. Of course, I'm always awake. So I guess (laughs) maybe I should just try it. It wouldn't work for me because I sleep with a sound mask. I mean, a sleep mask. So I would never see the gentle light. It sounds amazing, but maybe I should just try that and see. I could have it set for like 
to start glowing the light at 5.30 or something. That yes. I don't necessarily want to wake up at 5.30. That's my thing. I wouldn't mind sleeping till 6. So, I don't know. <laughs> you sound like you have a little wake-up anxiety, Jen. Well, I'm always like, it's just too early, but then I get up. Well, I feel like that all the time. I want to be somebody who can sleep in till 6.30, but it's just not me. Not your biology, Jen. All right. Sound is another problem for people. So, um, you know, if you're a light sleeper, the sounds can wake you up. So, if you have a fan or a sound machine or some kind of white noise that can make a big difference. That really helps me, especially if I'm traveling my condo at the beach. I was so excited when we got it because it's right below the sun deck and the sun deck, you know, is, um, no one is living on the sun deck. So it's like, this would be a great place. No one will be running around above me wrong. <laughs> People like to go up there and watch the sunrise. It's those crazy sunrise watchers so running around. So, you know, <laughs> at the beach, I tend to stay up later because I'm there with friends who don't like to go to bed as early as me. So I might've only gone to bed at midnight. And so I'm not ready to wake up at, at 6am if I went to bed at midnight. And so then I hear people running on the, on the sun deck. So I, I took a sleep, a sound machine to the beach. And that really helps a lot. People, some people might like nature sounds, but it really can make a difference. Also your, the temperature of your bedroom the ideal temperature for sleep is between 65 to 72 degrees. You don't want to be too hot because that makes you have restless sleep, but you also don't want to be too cold. So you need bedding that adjusts with you, a pillow that, that's comfortable for you, and that gives you the right support. We have a tip from Kristen from Columbia, South Carolina. So she said um, that putting a window air conditioning unit in her bedroom improved her sleep quality dramatically because... She had the white noise that she needed, and she could control the temperature better. You know, that is a great tip because our bedroom, we just had to replace our um, air conditioner on this part of the house because it was really old and it wasn't getting our bedroom cool enough. But a win we don't have you know, a window that would, would really fit a window unit. But if you do, that's a great tip. You don't have to replace your whole unit. Just fine-tune it in your bedroom. I actually did that a couple of years ago when we bought this house because we learned that for whatever reason, our bedroom stayed super hot in the summertime and it was just really, basically it's hot year round. In the wintertime, it's really hot and in the summertime, it's really hot. So rather than try to adjust the whole house to make the bedroom where it was comfortable for me to sleep, especially during the day in the heat of the summer, I just put a window unit in there and... I'm going to be honest, we run it year-round, even if it's just the fan blowing for the sound. Yeah, that makes a difference. We have a fan, and this is, this is kind of funny, but we instead of having to like go over and flip it on every day, Chad took one of those extension cords that has a little switch on it. Do you know the kind I'm talking about? And he, had, he mounted it to the back of the nightstand on his side, like a little light switch. So every night he flips that little switch on his side of the bed. Isn't that funny? I love it. No, yeah. that's ingenious. That's great. So flip, there's the switch, the fan comes on. And we don't have to climb on the floor, you know, and get to it. That's great. If your mattress is more than seven years old, it's probably time to replace it. If you wake up feeling tired and achy, I know I do. Like I go to bed, I feel great. I wake up in the morning and my back hurts and I feel like I'm 80. And I've been telling my husband for a couple months now, it is time to replace our mattress. What kind of mattress do you have? Is it is it one of those like memory foam? I have a Tempur-Pedic and it, it is 10 years old and it has been amazing until about six months ago. And I think it has just, it's lost its life. 
we had a different brand memory foam mattress before this one. And um, it felt great at first. And then I was waking up achy, like so many aches and pains every day. It was awful. So now we have the sleep number. We are not sponsored by sleep number or anything like that. I would love to be, but I just really love my sleep number bed that much. <laughs> I just love it because you can adjust the you know, different sides. It's not like I had one a long time ago and, and it, there was like a big hump in the middle. That, like you felt like you were rolling over the ledge, but it's not like that anymore. So much better. And it gives me all that data about my sleep that I really love. You might have me sold. I love I ha- it. I had one a long time ago and I was not a fan. I love my Tempur-Pedic. I've, I've loved it since I got it until recently. It's just time. Yeah. It's just time. So if you are out there and you're like, oh, when I stay in a hotel, I feel amazing. And I go home, you need to get a new mattress. My friends smell. So using a diffuser for essential oils while you're sleeping can create a relaxing environment. In addition, sometimes just creating a routine around sleep readies your brain and body to sleep. So your body starts to identify that smell with sleep, and it starts to prepare your body and your mind. And some suggested oils are lavender, vanilla, chamomile, and vetiver, which I've seen it described before as the volume of essential oil. It actually just calms your mind and your body. Many essential oil companies make sleep blends. I really like one called Serenity from doTERRA. And when I started using it, I really didn't even like the smell, but I forced myself to use it, which sounds crazy. But um, (laughs) then like all of a sudden I would get in bed and forget it. And I'm like, oh, I don't have my oil. And it's just also part of my power down hour. I rub it on my pulse points and on my soles and my feet. And it just really gets my mind ready for sleep. And then taste. You should not be tasting anything while you're sleeping. So if you're suffering from heartburn or acid reflux before or in bed, you need to consider changing your diet, avoid meals and snacks within a couple hours of bedtime, and uh, even try sleeping with your head elevated. And then let's talk sleep aids. So most sleep aids do not aid in better sleep. What they do is they knock you out, but they really prevent your body from going through the sleep cycles or the sleep phases correctly so that you don't get entire sleep cycles. So you're not getting restorative and that good sleep that makes you feel alert and and oriented the next day. Not all melatonin is even created equally. So you wanna watch out for melatonin. Most dosages out there are really too high that you really shouldn't be taking that much, especially consistently. Melatonin is a hormone. So you really need to pay attention to the amount of that that you're putting in your body. And Dr. Bruce and Dr. Kirk Parsley both recommend using melatonin in small doses along with other ingredients that help support your body to create its own melatonin. And we're actually going to talk about Dr. Parsley's sleep aid in a little while, but his, he's you know, a sleep expert, so he has researched exactly what you need. So it doesn't have too much or it has just the right mix of things that will support your sleep. Right. Yeah. So if you want additional information on learning to sleep better, as well as figuring out your own sleep cycles and sleep needs, again, I would check out his books. We'll have a link available on our website and in show notes. And do we want to just move on to some community questions, Jen? Yes, let's do that. We have Karen from Cape Town who asks, I wear a smartwatch and occasionally wear it during sleep. I see that my deep sleep only occurs before 12 a.m. So if I go to bed late, 
Am I losing out on this part of my sleep? Is that true for all people? Why do I need deep sleep? So as we talked about sleep phases earlier, we learned that deep sleep is your third phase and it's your restorative sleep phase. Researchers have learned that we spend the most time in this phase during the first half of the night and you cycle through all the phases, ideally four to five times throughout the night. But with each sleep cycle, it is normal for deep sleep to get shorter or for a person to even skip that phase and transition right from light sleep into your REM sleep as your night progresses. So we know that deeper in the night, we spend more time in REM sleep. So it makes sense that that time has to come from somewhere. So really to answer your question, Karen, you should not be losing out on your restorative deep sleep. It should just move later if you go to bed later. What you would really be missing out on is that deeper REM sleep that's happening later in the night if you were to go to bed late and wake up at your normal time. You're going to cut that REM sleep short, not your deep sleep. All right. Now, Stephanie from Alabama wants to know, I'm curious to know if either of you have an aura ring and if you have found it to provide useful sleep feedback in the sense that you've made changes or deemed something worthwhile. You know, and I don't have an aura ring, but Sherry does, but I use my bed for that. But Sherry, tell us about the aura ring. I have worn an aura ring since last December. I started wearing it when I started learning how to hack my sleep. It provides me with really great information like heart rate variability, respiratory rate, my pulse, my temperature. It monitors my sleep. It helps me see like my sleep cycles, how much deep sleep am I getting, how many cycles am I going through at night? Um, and I can tell you, I usually sleep about five cycles. It was my aura ring that helped me see that alcohol was really negatively impacting my sleep and my recovery. So it also helps guide me in choosing like a daily exercise routine that's in line with my body's needs that day. On days that my aura ring tells me that I did not recover well, that I did not sleep well, I just choose a little more gentle exercises that day. And on the days that it tells me that I had a great recovery and great sleep, I do my more intense workouts that day on those days. So I found it very helpful. All right. Well, we have some great community member sleep tips. And one of them is from Lucy. Her sleep tip is, I woke up at 3 or 4 a.m. for decades. My dad had always suffered with insomnia and said that the best thing to do is relax and accept it. I soon learned that I run on adrenaline, so lack of sleep didn't have to ruin my day. However, in the last few years, I discovered a great hack that works really well for me. I stay in bed with my eyes closed, and in my mind, I run through something that I do every day. My favorite is watering the garden. I go into as much detail as possible. I look at each plant. In my mind, I pick off any dead leaves or prune or deadhead as required, plant by plant, pot by pot. I go all around the garden, noticing as much detail as possible, and rarely get all the way around before I fall back to sleep. Another favorite is a virtual daily dog walk, starting with putting on my socks, lacing up my shoes, putting the dog's leads on, unlocking the door. The more detail, the better. Even a virtual walk to the shop or walk around the block, noticing neighbors' houses, the plants in their gardens, memories of things that have happened, as much detail as possible. The repetitive and the familiar are soothing, even if I don't get back to sleep, but I usually do. Thanks, Lucy. Now, this is really funny because I have something I do that's kind of like that. Do you do anything like this, Sherry? I do. All right, I'll share mine and you can share yours. Mine is walking through my grandmother's house. Oh. Yep. I walked through my grandmother's house and it, it, she bought the house. It was a hundred years old 
the year that I was born or the year before, right around there. So I think or the year I turned one, it was about, right about a hundred years older than me. So they restored it when I was a baby. And I have so many great memories. There was a really big old farmhouse in South Carolina and it was beautiful. And so I just walked through that front door and look at everything and walk through the rooms and, and that helps me get back to sleep. What is it that you do? This might be why you're a better sleeper than me, Jen. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I go to the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) And I just envision like a meal I'm going to cook and all the ingredients I'm going to need. And then I walk through the aisles and I put everything in my buggy that I need to make that meal. And the crazy thing is, is I hate grocery shopping. I'll Instacart anytime I can. So why I grocery shop when I can't sleep, I well, then you know. need to find somewhere that you liked, you loved being and walk around there instead. <laughs> I might have just great. solved my middle of the there night anxiety go. issue. All right. Well, that was our last tip then. That was our last tip. Well, thank you people for sharing them. And in case you're wondering, where did we get all these tips? It's from our Facebook group. We have a, a Facebook group and we ask them for some sleep tips. So if you want to join our Facebook community, it's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. G-I-N is the Jen. Sherry one R and an I. So before we get to our listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast, and it is Sleep Remedy from Dr. Kurt Parsley. So as we learned, it should take around 20 minutes to fall asleep, and if it's taking you longer than that, or if you're having trouble with middle-of-the-night awakenings, you might need to take a little something that will help And our friend, Dr. Kirk Parsley, originally developed his sleep remedy product for Navy SEALs, but it's safe and effective for all people. His sleep remedy helps to naturally decrease your stress hormones while boosting relaxation chemistry in your body for a deeply restorative sleep. And for a limited time, he's offering 10% off his selection of sleep remedy teas and capsules. I actually have the capsules, you know, because when I go to bed, I'm already you know, have closed my eating window. So I stick to the capsules instead of the teas. But perhaps, you know, if you have a later evening window or you're not an intermittent faster at all, the teas may be right for you. So to grab your savings today, go to docparsley.com and you need to use the promo code life lessons at checkout. And that is all no space, just all as if it were one word, life lessons as the promo code to save 10%. Um, We will also have a link available at lifelessons.com. Actually, it's lifelessonscommunity.com under our favorite things and in the show notes. So it's lifelessonscommunity.com. Check out the favorite things. Check out the show notes. One thing about the tea that I was noticing is he actually recommends something kind of like uh, Dr. Bruce does. The tea is designed because it's going to be part of like your habits, So as it's your routine, it's your wind down, getting your body and your mind ready for bed. And so that's why he designed the tea so that people can have a a warm glass of tea to kind of soothe them and and get them into that sleep mode, which I thought was actually a great idea. I think so too for an intermittent faster. If you want to, if you're already in the fasted state, you might want to try MT, which was named by one of my Facebook group members. MT is actually hot water in a mug. And it's so soothing. So, you know, that could be your your nighttime routine. Have your MT and take your capsule sleep remedy along with it. I love it. All right. So next we have a segment that we call our listener-led lesson. Some weeks it'll be longer. This week it's going to be really short. 
It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything that you, the listeners, want to share as our listener-led lesson. This one's really simple, but it is absolutely genius. It is from Cindy, and it is her Taco Tuesday life hack. Cindy shares that you can make a flour tortilla stuffable by toasting it in your toaster. So put it in the little slot of the toaster. It puffs up, like you know, the two sides kind of separate, like and it puffs up, and then you can cut it open, and then you have like like you can put stuff in, kind of like a a pita, but it's really still your flour tortilla, so it's still got that thinness. But that's a great tip because I'm always having stuff running out of it when I'm trying to use a tortilla. Yeah, Cindy actually posted a video of it, and I was quite fascinated. I watched it a couple times, and then I wondered, how have I never thought of this? I know, but <laughs> puff up your your flour tortilla, and then stuff your ingredients in there, and it'll be a lot less messy. So thank you, Cindy. At the end of each show, we want to share a motivational quote from a listener, and we want to leave you with that. Today's quote comes from Sarah. Oh, Sarah, I'm not sure how to say your last name. It's going to be Keister we're going to go with. And her quote is, dreams don't work unless you do. And she says, this has helped me ever since I heard it for the first time. She goes on to say, I follow a young farmer named Gavin Spore on Instagram. And she says, if you don't follow him, you should. He has built this incredible farm and business solely based on hard work. He mentions this quote often on his platform. It has helped me because it's made me realize that no one is responsible for my goals and dreams except for me. Yes, I have people who support me on my journey, but I'm the one who has to put in the work in order to reap the rewards. That goes for anything from fasting to crafting to my job to motherhood. I know that my dreams aren't going to come true with me just sitting idly by and waiting for them to manifest. I have to get up off my butt and work for what I want in life. I do love that. Yeah, that's fabulous because it's true. You know, we, we, we are taught that we can dream anything and make it happen. We can believe anything and make it happen. But really, between your dream and making it happen is really a lot of hard work. It is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I dreamed of so many things and then I worked really hard and then they happened. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, this has been great. I have really enjoyed talking about sleep with you today, Sherry. So everyone who's listening, thank you for joining us today. If you have not already subscribed to our podcast, do that now so that you never miss an episode. It would also really help us out. If you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. We really love your reviews there. Five stars would make us smile so big. And you know the reason that, that we ask you to do that is because it helps us extend our reach so that we can help more people live their best life. And it helps other people discover the podcast. I already mentioned that we'd like you to join our Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. And... If you have a story you'd like to share for our good news segment, our listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you, email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. If you have a question about a product recommendation that we made, you can see our favorite things at lifelessonscommunity.com. And then next week, our life lesson is going to be about taking the next step how to approach and tackle life changes and transitions. 
Yeah, that was something that people in our Facebook community who will be our listeners said that they were struggling with. A lot of people are, are transitioning in life and just really want to know, you know, what do you do? Because all kinds of transitions. I mean, it's empty nesters to people who are exploring second careers. And it's just, how do you take that next step? What is that next step? All right. Well, thank you so much. And we will talk to you next week. Have a good week. 